How's it going, everybody? All right. Merry almost Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, so Allison's about to read our last and um, by far, I think, our most difficult reading. Um, but she's an expert, so she'll be great. Um, and as she gets ready to do that, before she reads, I just wanted to set something up that I think will help as you, we look at why would we be looking at this long genealogy. So here we go. Merry Christmas. This is not your grave. It's not the grave of Ebenezer Scrooge, all right? So we're just going to set that right up there, and we're going to invite Allison to read. Good morning. My name is Allison Venable, and I'm reading from Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 32. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived, after he had fathered Enosh, 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived, after he fathered Kenan, 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he had fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived, after he fathered Noah, 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech 
were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Amen. Let's hear it for Allison. That's not easy. Woo. So, you know, I kept thinking this week, like, how many pastors around the world might be preaching on Genesis 5 for Christmas weekend? And I'm guessing not a lot, but at least one, right? And um, how many would title that sermon, He Died, Merry Christmas, right? Um, but you, you heard, as Allison read that, over nine times out of the ten generations, he died. The first time I can remember um, really intently studying this passage, because let's face it, genealogy passages usually are like, okay, well, I don't see what this has anything to do with me, move it on, right? What is Genesis 6, you know, and you start reading the Noah and, and the flood and all that, but it has a treasure of things in God's word. So I remember studying, I think it was in seminary the first time because I was forced to, and, um, and then I, I learned this idea that in this genealogy you have something you don't, there's a lot of genealogies in the Bible, right? But it's very unique in that phrase, he died. Usually it's just the son of, the son of, the son of, the son of, and it's just, right, it's just like if you have a family tree, you're not accenting when grandma died, right? Maybe you put the date, right, birth to death, you might do that, like a gravestone, but for the most part, you're not really celebrating that, that's not a great occasion, but in Genesis chapter 5, it's constant, it's right in front of your face, it's constantly just confronting us with that whole idea of this spiraling darkness that we have seen play out since the sin in the garden is the ultimate result, it's death. People get weird when they get confronted with death, it's, it's something, especially in our culture, in a Western culture, we try to avoid. Don't think about it. It's not going to happen to me today, right? And we just don't really want to think about it because it's not a fun thought. Why would it be? I, as a pastor, have um, just been, of course, because it's part of, you know, what, what I do, I've been in a lot of rooms or around gravesides, hospital rooms, places like that, where families and friends and loved ones are confronted with death. And people can get weird. I got a call a number of years ago, um, and, and they weren't like church people or anything, but someone had died. I think he was in his 50s around, and they were going to spread his ashes on the lake um, out in, I think, Douglas somewhere. And, and they were just like, hey, we just, it's a Sunday afternoon. I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I won't be tired Sunday afternoon. It'll be fine, right? And, and, and they're like, like, hey, we just figured maybe a pastor could say a few words. You know, I don't know this guy. I don't know any of these people. I'm like, okay, sure. So I show up at this, you know, it was kind of a raw spring day. And I was back in the days where I still wore a suit to church, so a long time ago. Um, and so I obviously did not fit in very well. Right away, I walk into this place, and they're, they're, this is a giant picnic, and I could tell right away, I've been to enough Irish family reunions, okay, I could tell right away that half of these people had drank way too much already. And one of them, saw, clearly I was the pastor. Oh, it's the pastor. Hey, there's a few kegs back there. And I'm like, I thought I was coming to a funeral, right? And, and uh, I was imagining in my suit doing a keg stand. And that would have been college and no longer, okay? But I was like, this is weird. But then they're like, they put me on the spot. You're like, maybe you could say a few words. And they all look at me. And there was this like eight-foot long table like we have out in the like the those type of like tables like folding table and it was full of wine bottles and I don't know what came over me I was just like they were like what do you say and I was just like well if anybody has any bread we can have communion <laughs> nobody laughed I didn't get it I was like well there go that's all the pastor jokes I got for this place right 
And, and then, like I said, anyone have, have something to say? And this guy's brother, he stood up, and he, was, he had something to drink, and he was staggering a little bit, and he goes, you were a bleepity bleepity bleep in life, but I love you. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I don't really know why I'm, you know, and so I was on my way out, and they were like, what do we owe you? Like, you don't owe me anything. I, I just, right? But it's just, you see these things play out, and it just gets so, uh, like people crack, like there's brokenness in these situations because nobody wants to confront death. I was at a funeral home a number of years ago where I was standing there with the funeral director waiting. Again, it was a family I didn't really know well, um, and, and, and I was going to go in and start the, the service, but there was two very big guys standing like this outside. And I was like, I said to the funeral director, what are, the, what are they doing? And she goes, oh, they're the bouncers. And I said, what? This isn't a club. Like, what are we doing here, you know? And she's like, well, they're expecting some people that aren't, that aren't welcome here. And I'm like, oh, man. And sure enough, they came. And there was a fight in the parking lot, thankfully. But all this noise and ruckus, I got to walk into this room. Everyone's listening. What's going on? And I'm like, oh, man, how are we doing, right? And it's like, what am I supposed to say? It's just, it cracks people. I was uh, in my sabbatical so not that long ago. This summer, I wasn't supposed to do anything, but I couldn't say no because it was such a broken situation where a man had taken his own life and left a husband and three kids. And they were not believers. They were not church going or anything like that. And it just, right? So I remember just in that room and, and just looking out at those people and the kids and man confronting with how broken this world is. And in and, and so many of those rooms as we face death, but I've also been in a lot of other rooms, like this one a lot of times, right? Where we do the same thing for someone who's in Christ. For someone who's, who's believed. For someone who's followed Christ. And, and we still weep. We do. We still mourn. And we still, we still miss that person. And we still have all of those emotions. All of those things. But we also sing. And we rejoice. And we celebrate. Because, yes, just like Genesis 5 teaches us, he died, right? But the real reason for the title of this message is he died. The birth of our Savior died. And because he died, we can live. And that's what Genesis 5 teaches us. Not just that sin brings death, but that God is faithful to his promises. Let's pray before going to that together. Lord, I, I ask that um, you, would, you would meet every mind, heart, and soul in this room uh, this morning. You know far better than I what we need. And so, Lord, I pray that you would remind us not just of the gift of the birth of your son, Jesus, but the gift of his life given for us, the gospel that we celebrate constantly moment by moment in our lives. And so, Lord, do what only you can do in your spirit. We pray this in our great Savior, Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. All right, so uh, obviously uh, you saw in the announcements, um, we're going to be back here at 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Not all of you can come back, but if you do, please do. But whether you do or not, um, definitely be praying. I just ask you to pray for me. It's never an easy, I love, it's my favorite service of the year, but it's never easy, right? We're packed house, we got kids, they're just hopped up on sugar and waiting for presents and excited, right? And, and you got uh, visitors a lot of times, and I've already had plenty of you say to me, like, hey, Pastor Jamie, I got so-and-so coming with me, you better be good. 
My answer to that, just so you know, is God is always good. I'm hit or miss, so don't rely on me. But it's, it, it's, just, it's, it's a great thing, but it's also just, man, we just pray that God would move somehow, some way, and only a way he can do, you know? Um, so be praying about that, and, and hopefully you can join us. But either way, have an awesome Christmas if I don't see you. Um, so th- this, again, I'm not going to go through all of this because Allison just did a great job. That's why I had her read it, so I don't have to. Um, but, but I want us to look, first of all, of this kind of sad part of this, right? We, we have in here ten generations Right, which is a very important biblical number. Um, we also have great lifespans. Like, what's that about? Like, these people live in 900 years old, right? Like, that's crazy. Well, it, it, that's the pre-flood lifespan. And there's other cultures, by the way, that aren't biblical that have evidence that they also have record. Sometimes they're very legendary, like they're thousands of years. But it's definitely not just the Bible that attests to long lifespans long ago. Why did that stop? Because God put a stop to it. If you read after the flood, he said, y'all can't live any more than 120 years. You make enough trouble, right? That's my, my translation. Not, not, don't look for that in the, in the, in the Bible. But, but, like, think about it, man. The amount of trouble you can do in 70, 80 years, imagine if you had 900 years, right? And that's what happened. And so these great lifespans would eventually stop. But here they, they are, long spans of time, and it did allow this one couple to fill the earth because they lived a long time, so of their kids, etc. Right, um, but but in these uh, lifespans, we see in chapter five, it is the genealogy right from Adam to Seth, right, and eventually to Noah. Which I can't help it, but the Masadi family over here, their two boys are named Seth and Noah. So, guys, when I say, "What does Seth ever do for us?" I'm not talking about you. You know, I love you. And 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 so, but last week in chapter four, we had the. If you guys were here, we had the family in the line of Cain from Adam. And they were out, Cain killed his brother, and he was, he was driven outside the presence of God. And, and we asked that question, if you were with us. We said, we said is it worth it? Because they built cities, and they had music and culture and tools, and they did amazing secular advancements. And we asked, is it worth it if you're outside the presence of God? And so we, have, uh, we had Cain's line, but then we had, and we saw that last week, the birth of Seth from Adam. Right? And, and yet, and we said, that, remember, Eve had uh, uh, Seth, and she said, this is, God has granted him. She was thinking, I think, that this is the answer, because God promised in chapter 3, verse 15, that, 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 the, she, that one of her seeds, one of her children would come forth and be the one who would crush the head of the serpent and deal with what sin has done. So she probably thought that would be Seth, and yet we have Right? Seth and his father Adam, they're not the hope. Look at this. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Right? The first man formed, the guy, right? Adam. Now to dust you came, to dust you shall return. That was the promise of God to Adam, and Adam is now dead. But he had Seth, so maybe the promise is in Seth. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years. He died. Not Seth. It didn't happen. But Seth had Enosh. So maybe it's him. That's all the days of Enosh. were 905 years and he died. I'll skip quite a few. But we get to this guy. He's very famous. Uh, you've probably maybe heard of him if you've ever grown up in church. His name is Methuselah. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Why is he famous? He's an answer to a trivia question. 
the oldest guy ever to live, right? And he only won that by like seven years, so I think we need to calm down on our hype of Methuselah. But he did. And, and so I pointed out that, that, yes, he lived the longest, 969 years. He didn't make it to 1,000. Come on. The Bible actually teaches us, interestingly enough, that to the Lord, one day is 1,000 years. So in the calendar of God, man, Methuselah didn't even make it one day. So even Methuselah, as long as he lived, died. Right? Then you have, um, I'll give you one more, Lamech. If you were with us last week, there was a Lamech, the firstborn son of Cain. And, and, and in fact, the city was named after Lamech. Like, like it was, I don't know, Lamechville or the, the city of Lamech. I, I don't know. But, but man, he was, right, like he was uh, this famous Lamech and, 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 and outside the presence of God. And Lamech would actually uh, boast, right? He actually boasted of himself. So we have a different Lamech here. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years. That's an interesting number. It's a very biblical number of completion. And he died. Okay, so in this, we have the reign of death. Merry Christmas. Isn't that good? You all can go we drink your eggnog and eat your candy, right? The reign of death. It, it, why isn't it assumed, right? Most genealogies just are. Like if you have a family tree, your great-great-great-great-grandfather, well, yeah, he died. I mean, I don't think anyone probably questions that. We don't need you to tell us that. But this chapter 5 does. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 5, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So there you are. Every single um, funeral or, or memorial service we go to, every time we see a grave or, or, or an urn, it's a, it's a giant flag that says death is coming to everyone. It's inevitable. Why? <laughs> Why is death coming? Because of sin. You see, it's not death. That, 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 that really is, is the old, death is just a result. It's because of sin. So, so sin is, is something that, that brings death. So death is not God's original plan. You ever wonder why it always just seems, no matter what, it just seems like this shouldn't be? You'll even go to a, a funeral of, of your 96-year-old grandmother, and you're just like, I, I just, I wish we had a few more days. And then you feel selfish, like, geez, people die a lot younger than her. You shouldn't feel selfish. Of course you wish that, because it wasn't God's plan. It just wasn't, right? It is sin that brings death. That's why it's so hard, right? It's, it's this idea that no matter what you do in life, no matter what you might do, you end up in an urn in somebody's attic or a grave no one visits, or, or even when people do remember, I've told you this before, but eventually some people, maybe it's big, maybe it's small, will gather in a room like this or around a grave, say a few nice words, say amen. They'll eat cold cuts. You always got to do that. And then they'll go home. And so if you're just left with that, chapter 5 gives us that stark reality that death is coming because of sin. It's spread to all of us. But remember, death is not the problem, it's sin. That's just the result. So what's the difference between Cain's genealogy and Seth's? Like, Jamie, why bother? Like, if, if death's coming to all of us, 
Well, then I might as well eat, drink, and be, be merry, right? I may as well build cities. I may as well enjoy what I got, right? Like, like just enjoy it because what's the point? I mean, over here on Seth's line, a supposed promised one, like they're all dying too. So what's the difference? Well, chapter 5 doesn't just confront us with death. It teaches us something else that we'll see in the faithfulness of God. Um, let me bring you back to what the, the guys I just showed you. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So if you notice, if you were with us kind of back when, when Adam was first formed, those two words we talked a lot about, right? That God made Adam in his own image and likeness. Remember that? And so, so we talked a lot about that. Now Seth's born in Adam's image and likeness, which is whose image and likeness? God's. And so in this, right here and now, you see that God hasn't abandoned us. He's moving. He's creating. He's bringing forth life. He still has this promise that he's doing. And, and, and so you, you see this in the bringing forth of life. So chapter 5 doesn't just bring us, he died, he died, he died. It also brings, he was born. He was born. Other sons and daughters. Like there's something about a child or a newborn baby like in your family that brings great joy, right? Like, like if you see a baby, like you're, you're, you're just a new baby in your family, is like, oh, they never let me hold a baby for obvious reasons. But, I, you know, when I see my niece um, just had a baby, she's five months old, so cute, she'll send pictures, right? If you see that baby and your reaction is, oh, that makes me angry. I'm disgusted, baby. You need, you need therapy. It's a good thing, right, if that's you. It doesn't. It just it brings you this, this idea of, of life. And older people love it. Like, like you'll bring kids to a nursing home and they light up. There's something about as they face death, is something about they see, but, but here is life, right? God is still moving and he's still working and he's still bringing forth life, right? And we also remember that great promise in Genesis 3 that eventually from the seed of that woman would come the promise that life would come, a child would be born to rescue us from that problem. So in this, we see it. Look, um, I'll bring you just quickly. We see when Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh, right? When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Later on, we had brought to you earlier Methuselah, when Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Despite death, life goes on. The promise of God goes on. Right? Then we see this great boasting of Lamech. He had lived 182 years. He fathered a son, and he called his name Noah. And he's saying, out of the ground the Lord has cursed. This one shall bring us relief from our work, from the painful toil of our hands. It's interesting. While the counterpart over here, the Lamech, was boasting of how he killed dudes because they wounded him, if you remember, that this Lamech over here is boasting of God. He believes, he has a son Noah, and he believes that, that in his son, God is going to do it. He's going to bring forward the promise. He's going to save. He's, he's, he's going to bring us comfort and rest. Now, did he? I don't know. Depends on how you look at it, right? So there's a big question over the years. Is this, 
prophecy or just what we would call a wish prayer. And you, know, you could say it's a little bit of prophecy because eventually, not from Noah, but from the line of Noah, it would come Jesus and he brings us rest. But I look at it more as a wish prayer. You have those. I've had a lot of uh, uh, people, young adults, high school, college, just out of college, say to me, Jamie, I think there's going to be, I believe there's going to be a revival in our generation. Like they believe, right? And, and, and I say, I believe it too, and I'm praying for it, and I believe it. I believe God's going to do that, right? That's like a, a wish prayer. I believe God, and I, I, I believe He has the power to do that, and I see the signs of that, right? But He might not. We don't know that for sure. But what we do know is if it's not this generation, He eventually will. And so that's the faith of Lamech. And so you see in chapter 5, that not just the reign of death, but you see the faithfulness of God. God brings forth life. Therefore, his promise, he will do something about sin and death. You know, we see in, in, in that genealogy that was read, some names that all you know is they lived, they had a son, other sons and daughters, they lived this many years, and then they died. That's it. That's it. 900-something years, that's all we got. And, and some of them, not all, but there's a few of them who we do see in one other place in Scripture. Luke chapter 3. The genealogy of Jesus Christ himself. Here's the lesson in that. And I want you to hear me. Because sometimes you can feel like I'm just living out the life. I'm just doing what I can and eventually I'm going to end up here. It's just they're going to have cold cuts and go home. And that can get pretty depressing. You need to know that your life counts. The world may not see it, but it does. God is doing something in your day. He's doing something in your life. He's bringing forth his promise. He's working out his gospel in your life. Right, that, that he's doing it. There might be plenty of things that we don't see in Scripture, right? And the world might not see, but they bring glory to God for all of eternity. Every time you follow God faithfully, every time you're a part of what he's doing, every time you put your trust in him, it counts. Your life counts. It may not count for building cities. It may not count for inventing things. It may not count for all that stuff. But it will count for eternity. And we see that in chapter 5. Those people were in the line of Jesus himself. It's not meaningless. Your life isn't meaningless. And so we have not just the reign of death, but we have the, the, the faithfulness of God who brings forth life. So what's the key? In chapter 5, what do we learn is the key? The key to life. And I think we learn that in, a, in a, a man named Enoch. Famous guy. We talked about him a little bit last week. Um, Enoch's the only one of these ten where we don't have that phrase, he died. <laughs> Why? He didn't. In place of it, it said, God took him. He was not. God took him. So what's the key to Life. Let's, let's look again at, at Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Such an important phrase. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. That's it, right? 
Enoch walked with God twice in two verses, and he was not, for God took him. For he was not, and God took him. So this points to not only in the reign of death, wait a minute, the seventh generation, there's that number again, is Enoch. And in that, there is no death. And again, that should be a giant neon sign for you pointing that God, while sin brings a reign of death, God is a God of life. And so Enoch teaches us the key to life is walking with God. It's walking with God. Let me put that for you, right? That's the key. So how do we do that? That's an interesting phrase. Pastor Bob and I were talking about that this past week as it came up and we were talking and, and, he's, and he, he had an idea and I, I'm going to do this because I think it would be really good is do a sermon series on that phrase. There's plenty of places in scripture, walking with the Lord or walking with God. What does it mean? It doesn't tell us. It just says he did. Did so much and so faithfully that God took him. I mean, I think you should think back like Adam, right? Adam in the garden. He said he walked with the Lord. Every day walked with the Lord. Walking with someone is, 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 is friendship, it's, it's communion, it's, it's fellowship, right? It, it, it's walking with them. And so it, it, it's, it's this, this idea of the opposite of after Adam sinned that he was thrust out of the garden. Now he's outside, right? Whereas where, where we see, see Enoch, he walks with God. So what is that going to mean? How's that the key to life? It means, it's going to mean prayer, not just, dear Lord, right, not that. It's talking to him. It's, it's giving your heart over to him. That's walking with God. It's always, because the more you believe God and know God, it's always going to mean worship. Not just singing songs, so that's a big piece to it. It is bringing adoration. Because the more you know who God is, the more you're like, wow, you're in awe. It's always going to mean, and you need to hear me on this, obedience. To walk with God is to obey God. Because if I'm walking over here in disobedience, come over here, God. He said, no, I'm not going over there. I mean, in a general sense, God is there, but he's not walking in the path of disobedience. To walk with God means to believe God, obey God, trust God, moment by moment. Enoch did that. That's the key to life. Cain showed us the key to death. Outside the presence of God. And so we, we see that, that, that that's the key. But Jamie, was Enoch perfect? No. We know from Scripture he inherited the sin of Adam. There's no way he could be perfect, right? So, so where does it begin? Where does walking with, with God begin? Well, I'm glad you asked because the Hebrews writer tells us in his faith hall of fame. This is where it begins. If you're like, how do I start to walk with God? Or how do I keep walking with God? Every single day, including today. By, by faith. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Enoch believed God. Right. How, how does that, that look in his day? It means he trusted God. He trusted God to care for him. He trusted God's way. He trusted God's word. He trusted God to save him, deliver him. Right? That's how you see through scripture. Right? We, we are told that Noah later on walked with God. Why? Because he believed God. He built a boat. Right? He, he trusted God, so that's walking with God. It's always by faith. Abraham was not justified by his righteousness, but he was justified by his faith. And the same thing goes for each and every one of us. 
except for us, what it looks like for us. Because Christmas has happened. That baby was born, and he lived a perfect life, and he died a death for us. And so the key to life is to walk by faith. And to walk by faith is to put our full faith in God's Son. That's the key. Because he died, so we don't have to. Right? He died. Genesis chapter 5, over and over again, he died, he died, he died. But we bring it to the gospel. He died so we can live. That's what Christmas, as is, is, uh, Linus once said, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what it's all about. He died so we can live. Peter wrote it this way. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, you've been healed. Life is found in his name, not in your achievements. Because, remember, the problem isn't uh, death. It's what produces death. It's sin. It's sin. And so what he did was he died for our sin. Now, there's a story. If you've ever come to a funeral, I don't always tell the story, but I have several times. Maybe you've, you've heard this, but I think it pictures it really, really nicely. There's um, a father who was going to bring his little toddler daughter to the store. And she was young enough to still be in a car seat. Those are fun, right? One of the great, two of the biggest milestones of parents when they're out of diapers and when they're out of those dumb car seats, right? Filthiest places on earth. I think the car seat's filthier than diapers sometimes, right? That's not in my notes, so Merry Christmas. All right. So, so he's, he's putting her in the car seat. It's excited. They're going for a little trip, daddy-daughter, right? And, and here's the thing you got to know about her, okay, is she's deathly allergic to bees, not just she puffs up a little bit. No, 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 no. Race to the ER, maybe die. And the reason they know this, the reason she knows this is she got stung once. And she almost died. And so she's been told, like, listen, honey, when all the kids are playing around bees, or if there's bees, you got to get out of there. you got to stay away from bees. So she knows, and she's, in a healthy way, scared of them. And so he, he straps her in. He goes to, to get in the car, and she starts to scream, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I'll just scream, Daddy. And, you know, if you've ever done that, you're like, we're not even out of the driveway. Like, what could this be? And then he, she finally gets it out. Daddy, there's a bee in the car. And there's this, sure enough, this bee flies around. So Daddy begins to panic. Right? Daddy's trying to stay calm, but he's like, oh my gosh, right? So he looks, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I got nothing in the car. And, and, and all of a sudden, the bee lands on his daughter's arm. And he's like, he doesn't know what else to do. Right? So he, he, he leaps back, right? And he covers with his hand that bee. He's going to kill it, but the bee stings his hand. And what happens when your, when your hand gets, gets stung or gets hurt? What do you do? You go like this, right? And so instead of crushing the bee, went like that, and the bee kept flying. And so his daughter kept screaming, Daddy, you didn't get it. You didn't kill it. You didn't kill it. You didn't kill it, right? And he's just like, shh, 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 shh. Honey, honey, I know you're still scared of the bee, but it has no more sting. Daddy's taking it. And so when the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians in a mocking way, death 
is swallowed up in victory. O death, chapter 5, O death, he died. O death, O death, where is your victory? Why should we be scared of you, death? O death, where is your sting? And then he tells us, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're still sad at funerals, even if it's a believer. We should be. We love them. And it's hard. And death, man, death stinks, especially when they're younger. And we mourn and we grieve, but we do not do so with as those who have no hope. Because on that cross, that baby born in Bethlehem lived a perfect life. And when he went on that cross, what he did was he put his hand over the bee and he took every last bit of its sting. He paid it in full. He took your sin. He took all the effects of your sin. You don't deserve that. It's called grace. But he did. And so we know that God, even though sin brings death, God is faithful. He promised from the very beginning all the way through, and he still does, that Jesus and our faith in him means death will not reign. The moment, if you're in Christ, the moment you breathe your last breath, right, the moment you do that, you're in the glory and presence of God because of him. You do not need to be afraid of death because Jesus conquered it. Yes, the world is full of sorrow. As Bob said earlier, weariness and hurt and harm. And it affects us. It does. But you will live because he died. You will live because he died. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for a reminder today. We already have had reminders in our, our songs. We had a reminder even in the Advent reading. <laughs> for God so loved the world. You loved us so much, God, you gave us your only son. So that whoever might believe in Jesus will not die. We will not perish, but instead we will live. We will inherit eternal life. That's your promise. That's what you've done. That's what you are doing. And so I call on you to remind my brothers and sisters in Christ here. and Remind my own heart in the weary, hard days, in the days we face mourning, in the days we might face death, and all that comes with it, that we do not need to be scared because you've conquered it, Jesus. You conquered it on Calvary. And Lord, I pray that you would move hearts to faith in Jesus. If there's anyone here who's never just put their trust, full trust, in the son who was born who then died for them, that you would open their eyes of faith. Right now, they would just believe you, Jesus. They would just repent of doing it their own, repent of the Cain way, and believe your promise and trust in you. Lord, may this Christmas be a reminder of the hope found in Christ. You died so that we can live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you can, stand with us.